Our scripture reading this morning is from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one body, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because, I'm not, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as God wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving, great, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of, a, each one of you is a part of it. The word of God for the people of God. Today we continue with our winter worship series, The Gospel According to Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers, an ordained Presbyterian pastor, began filming Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in February of 1968 because he was frustrated with children's programming and he wanted to do something about it. So for two and a half decades and 865 episodes, he used television to nurture those who would join him as his neighbor. Fred Rogers used public television as a platform to speak life and truth to millions of viewers in a posture of peace and kindness and relentless gentleness. The television show was this pastor's ministry. And while he never preached a sermon on the air, he embodied the gospel of Jesus in every single episode. So during this series, we are going to take a look at the biblical themes in the lessons that he shared on his show and the lessons that he exemplified in his life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that in these moments, your spirit might be felt, your hope experienced, and the challenge of your good news declared. Calm our minds and open our ears so that we may hear your voice speaking to us this morning. Amen. 
In the first season of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Fred Rogers spends a series of episodes focusing on jealousy. In make-believe, Grand Père's granddaughter, Colette, has come to visit. And so Henrietta Pussycat has been feeling left out ever since the very fancy and French Colette came to visit. She'd been struggling to see how with Colette in the neighborhood, anyone would want her around. Henrietta doesn't feel like there's a place for her in the neighborhood anymore. In one episode, Grandpere is having a party so that Colette can get to know all of the other neighbors. And Lady Aberlin is tasked with inviting everyone to come to the party by giving them a hat that has their name on it. And so she gets to Henrietta's house and she tells Henrietta about the party and she's excited. But then she, Henrietta hears that it's for Colette. The party is for Colette. And she immediately pouts. I'm not going. And a little cat puppet. <laughs> Even after hearing that Colette wants to share a delicious cake with everyone and she gets her own party hat with her own name on it, she still doesn't want to go. So when Grandpere discovers that Henrietta isn't, isn't coming, he gets very upset because he had a task for Henrietta. He says, I wanted Henrietta to introduce the neighbors to Colette because she knows everyone in the neighborhood so well. So Lady Aberlin, knowing that Henrietta is jealous, she goes back and she shares this with Henrietta. But when Henrietta hears that Grand Prairie needs her, again, she begins to pout. No, he doesn't. He has Colette now. And Lady Aberlin tries to convince her. That's why he needs you, she says, to do something Colette can't do. He needs you to introduce Colette to all the neighbors that already know and love you, Henrietta. So Henrietta ponders this a bit, and she says, are you sure he needs me? Just you, Lady Aberlin says, nobody else, he asked, you. Well, could you help me with my hat? Henrietta says, and as she does, Lady Aberlin sings a song telling Henrietta, you are perfectly you emphasizing how Henrietta is wonderful and she's needed just the way she is. That even though she might not think so, she has important gifts to share with the neighborhood. This early episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood uses a simple illustration to teach children an important lesson about being in community. And really, it's an important lesson not only for children, but it's an important lesson for us as well. That living in community means that we all help in different ways. We are all needed and we are all important. And today's scripture speaks directly to that lesson. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is addressing this dispute among the believers in the Corinthian church. They are arguing over spiritual gifts and which one of these gifts is most important. It's kind of a, a whose gift is better than whose situation. And this argument has started to create a hierarchy of those who are important and of value 
and those who are not. Mainly those who had the gift of speaking in tongues were believed to be or considered to be holy and of more value than those who had other gifts in the community. So Paul is trying to dissolve or resolve this conflict by helping them understand the nature of God's gifts to them and what they're really intended for. And so Paul begins by saying there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit gives them. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but the same God who activates them in each member of the family. He goes on to say that each member of the community is given a gift, whether someone has the gift of wisdom, prophecy, speaking in tongues, or what have you. They are all given by the Spirit, and it's at the Spirit's choosing. So right off the bat, Paul is reminding them that they didn't earn their gifts. They didn't do anything to receive them. They were gifted them by the Spirit, and not just for them, but for the whole community. And so Paul illustrates this point by using a metaphor that the people were very, very used to. It was a very common Greco-Roman world metaphor, using the metaphor of a body. People like Plato and other philosophers and moralists in in that time used this metaphor for centuries before Paul did. But those people, the philosophers and the moralists, used it to emphasize a hierarchy and to show the difference between those who were at the top of the hierarchy and those who were at the bottom. It was used to keep people in their place as long as they stayed where they were supposed to and they served their function in the body, then everything would work well. It was a metaphor to illustrate subordination of certain people in the society, and then to elevate the value and the role of others. But Paul, as we often see in the Bible, flips this common metaphor completely upside down. And in doing so, he completely flips the understanding of how a society works. And he does this first by disconnecting the gift that someone has with the status that they hold in society. The gift, he says, is not for their status or honor, but it's to be used for everyone's honor. It's for service in the community. Because the Corinthian church was struggling with their tendencies towards individualism, like I think we all do, boasting about what what I have and what I can do and what God has given me. And by turning this metaphor upside down then, Paul elevates all of the parts of the body to the same level, equalizing everyone. And in doing this, he's trying to help these believers in Corinth see and fully understand that they serve one another in community, and that when they do that, they actually form the body of Christ. Now, Paul emphasizes this equality beginning in verse 13, where he says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Our baptism is what unites us. It's what puts us 
on equal footing because we are all created and then baptized in the same spirit. We are one with each other because of our baptism, because the spirit of God unites us. And if we drink from that spirit regularly, then we will be unified and our conflicts will fade away. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? <laughs> they used to be, we used to be, and the, and the church in Corinth used to be different ethnically and from different socioeconomic spaces, different parts of the world. But then when we add in the spirit, we are all baptized equally and we are equal now. Then Paul continues, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, Paul says, every part rejoices with it. Paul here is admonishing the church to, to appreciate and to honor the differences among the members because these differences actually enrich the church. They give flavor to the church by God's very design. And it's this unified body of Christ that Paul desires for the church in Corinth and for the church here in Brexville. I see, I look out here today and I see a multitude of gifts. I see great prayer warriors. I see willing and wonderful servants. I see people that amaze me every week with the way that they are willing to give of their time, of their talents, of their financial funds to the ministry of this church and to Christ's body. This church wouldn't function. Could you imagine if I had to do everything? Please don't make me. That would be bad. But we can do this because we have this body of Christ together. With this metaphor, we see that each person, each person here this morning is indispensable. It doesn't matter if this is your first time here or not. You are needed here. Each person has a role in the body of Christ. Each individual then should be honored and praised because of the gifts that they bring to the body. And then the whole body is elevated. But Paul here is speaking to a very specific group of people. In the, the Corinthian church, the people whose self-esteem has been put down by this hierarchy of the body metaphor. He's speaking to those members who feel like their gift is of no value and their place in the community of faith is of no value or need. But Paul tells those people that each member of the body, each member of the community of apparent less value, what we think of as less value, they're actually by God's design and God's arrangement of more value, of higher honor and status. And it's as if those who feel like they're of no worth are actually of more worth because God loves all. 
Paul's addressing them saying, you have to honor everyone among you because when you do that, that is when you live out Christ's life. There's an African proverb that says, the left hand washes the right hand, and the right hand washes the left hand. And what is the result? Both hands are clean. It takes both hands to wash one another, to make each other clean. It takes all of us together using our gifts so that God's kingdom can come to earth and we can be unified in Christ, being Christ's hands and feet in this community, reaching out with grace and love and mercy and compassion. Henrietta Pussycat, she felt like she was replaced by Colette. Everyone was so excited to meet Colette, and they were intrigued by her differences. So Henrietta thought that she was boring, and she was ordinary, and her boring, ordinary self was unwanted anymore. Sometimes we do feel like we are not needed, whether it's in this church or anywhere else. But today's scripture shows us that no, no part of the body, no gift, no person is not needed. We are all needed. We are each needed because fundamentally, we are created and we are loved by God. And so we have a sacred worth within us. And God has given each one of us a, a special and specific gift through the Spirit in order to impact those around us, unifying us together through that Spirit, through our baptism. We are each important, and we each have an important place in this world. At the end of every episode, Fred Rogers gifted his audience with this affirmation. You've made this day a special day just by being you. There's no one in the world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Today, remember that this world needs you. This church needs you. Your gifts, your personality, your questions, your doubts, all that God has created you to be, this world needs you. No matter what flaws you think you might have or how ordinary you think you might be, you have been created and loved by God, and you have been created to impact this world for Christ. You've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no one in the world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for this body of Christ, the way that we care for one another, come together unified around you. And Lord, I pray that we might be your body in this world, that we might be whole together so that we can go into the world and more fully impact this broken world for you with your love, your forgiveness, your grace, your compassion, all of the gifts that you have given us so that this world might be transformed for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.